And so instead of going to school, I traveled the world and built several companies, most of which failed during that time period. Uh, but I think the learning experiences that I got were probably more, as, as well as the character development was probably more than if I had gone to college. This is Chris Reynolds and welcome to the Entrepreneur House podcast. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs creating events and retreats all over the world. Picture yourself spending four weeks with other high level entrepreneurs in the northern mountains of Thailand this coming October and November 2017. It will be full of masterminds, workshops, advisors, like-minded entrepreneurs, and of course, some fun adventure. If you're ready to take your business to the next level with other successful entrepreneurs, be sure to apply at theentrepreneurhouse.com. And now, on to today's episode. On today's show, we have a really interesting story. Most entrepreneurs see entrepreneurship as a sense of freedom. In fact, freedom is one of their highest values. The idea to build something that is yours, make your own decisions, and be independent of a boss. Today, we chat with Derek Pankoff. Derek is a serial entrepreneur in the truest sense of the word. He has built multiple businesses from different countries around the world. One of his most recent, selling t-shirts using only Facebook ads and selling $600,000 in only nine months. But guess what Derek is doing now? He's got a job. No, not because he went broke, but because he wanted to. You see, Derek has a vision to build numerous multi-million dollar companies in his life. He really wanted to learn how to build a hundred million dollar business. So he found a successful startup, moved to New York, and landed a job to learn exactly how things are ran. It's a great show and one that opened my eyes as a path for the non-typical entrepreneur. And without further ado, let's welcome Derek Pankaw to the show. Welcome, Derek. How are you today? Hi, Chris. Doing great. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Thanks for asking. And I'm really excited to have you on the show today because you have such a vast array of experience as an entrepreneur. And as we were talking before the show, um, you mentioned some things that really perked my ears up that I think the listeners are really going to enjoy. So let's start off, Derek, just getting to know you. And I think you've been an entrepreneur for around nine years now. And let's get the backstory of, of how it all got started and everything that you've done. Wow, that was great research um, <laughs> that you found in the nine years. Um, yeah, so I, I've always been interested in being an entrepreneur. I think since I was 13 or 14, uh, I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Someone left it on my coffee table. And since then, I kind of decided I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then when I turned 18, designed my path to kind of go in that direction. So I started working for um, internet entrepreneurs and learning digital marketing. Um, and along the way, uh, kind of started working on different businesses. A lot of them failed uh, for the first few years anyway. And then, um, yeah, about nine years ago, I got into freelance work and information products and was able to make enough money um, to start traveling the world. Um, you know, I wasn't making a ton of money in the beginning, but a lot, and a lot of it was from freelance. Um, but yeah, that's kind of how I got started, uh, through freelance work and, uh, digital information products. And then later on transitioned into physical products. What was your very first business, Derek? I think it was, I was trying to sell eBooks on the warrior forum. Oh really? Uh, yeah. Uh, and I made a few hundred dollars doing it, and uh, and I thought I, I thought that that meant I had a business, but it really didn't mean I had a <laughs> had a business. Uh, yeah. Did you go to university? No, I didn't. Uh, I have a middle school degree. Uh -huh. I dropped out of high school, and then I did uh, about a year in community college, and then I dropped out of college, and then just kind of did my own thing from there. 
So I'm kind of curious to get your perspective on this because you've done pretty well for yourself since childhood. And there's a lot of people that will debate back and forth, you know, of whether if you still want to be an entrepreneur, whether you should go to college or university. And I know that everybody has a different path. So I'm kind of curious if you feel like you missed out on anything by choosing that path and what would you do differently? Um, I don't feel like I missed out on anything by choosing uh, the path I chose. Um, I think, I think business, uh, studying business in school, I think isn't the most useful thing. Um, if there were, if I were to, to, uh, have recommended myself or recommend someone else to go to school for something, I think I'd study uh, a science, like a science or computer science or engineering or something like that. Um, depending on what kind of entrepreneur you want to be and what kind of impact you want to have. Uh, I find that a lot of the people that I respect a lot, uh, like Elon Musk and Bill Gates and uh, Mark Zuckerberg, like they have this twin expertise of um, science and engineering and business. Um, and I think the business stuff, like you can really learn that through podcasts and books and real life experience. But the science stuff, I think, is much harder harder to learn on your own. So if you want to build the kinds of businesses that kind of impact billions of people, I think um, go to, going to school and studying some sort of science base is probably a good idea. Um, apart from that, I, I, I really don't regret the, the decision that I made. And I don't think that if I went to school at 18 years old, I would have been doing it for the right reasons. Um, and so instead of going to school, I um, traveled the world and uh, built several companies, most of which failed during, you know, during that time period. Uh, but I think the learning experiences that I got were probably um, more, as, as well as the character development was probably more than if I had gone to college. It's a great perspective. Derek, I, I wonder if you could mention, you said you've built multiple businesses. I wonder if you can kind of run us through all the different businesses that you have dabbled in over the years. Cool. Yeah. Um, oh, let's see. So I had a freelance business, uh, which was several different things. That was freelance writing, freelance copywriting, and uh, freelance performance marketing, so um, uh, ad buying, basically. Um, I did affiliate marketing for a while. Um, I had a information products business uh, in the dating space. Um, I had and currently uh, still have an infra- information products in the, in the travel hacking space. Um, I had a t-shirt business, uh, and I had a uh, and gummy bear business, as well as a foosball table dropshipping business. <laughs> That's great. I want to ask you, I think it's the travel hacking business and the t-shirt business are the ones that succeeded. Were there any others that did? Yeah, I think, uh, so the, the vitamin gummy bear business did pretty well. Um, I think, um, let's see, the foosball table business was also pretty successful. Well, it, it, it was, it was, six, it, it got to five figures a month in revenue quickly. Um, and then I actually didn't, follow through with it because the t-shirt business was growing uh too fast for me to manage two things and i just decided to focus on the t-shirt business um yeah i think i think that's kind of, that kind of covers it so why so many businesses do you just have a passion to build business after business after business um that's a great question and i don't know if i have a great answer um <laughs> uh, i think there's a few things that go into it number one i enjoy the learning process I very rarely there, there's there's a there's a quote that a lot of business is repetition, right? You find a formula that works and then you just repeat. I personally 
almost never do the same thing. Um, like the vitamin gummy bear business was on Amazon. The t-shirt business was uh, through Facebook ads. The foosball table business was through Google Shopping. Um, the information products are direct response sales letters and affiliates. So it's kind of different marketing strategies with different channels with different products all the time. Um, and I enjoy doing that because I like learning about different channels and different strategies and kind of understanding business and the world and people and sales from different perspectives. Um, and I think I probably would make more money if I had just picked, you know, Amazon and just learned everything about Amazon and just kind of rinsed and repeated. Um, but I think I would be really bored, uh, and I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't enjoy the process and I wouldn't feel like I'm learning. Um, so I'm, yeah, so I guess, I guess part of it is I get excited to learn new things. I hear about business models that I want to try for myself. Um, yeah, so, so I guess, I guess I'm following my excitement and curiosity is, is part of it. Um, and then part of it is, I don't know, just wanting to grow. Derek, are you building these businesses up uh, mainly on your own or do you have a team and you get the idea and then implement the work to your team? Or are you, if the business gets built enough that you then build a team specifically for that business? I think, um, so it's more the last one. It, it's, I build the team once the business is doing well enough that it warrants having a team. The t-shirt business was, I think six people at its peak. Um, and then a lot of freelancers and kind of um, uh, non non permanent help, I guess, for different projects. Which was the business you sold? Was that your t shirt business? No, that was the vitamin gummy bear business. How long did it take until you got it to a point where you wanted to sell it? Um, I think I wanted to sell it a while ago, actually. Um, but there were a lot of issues with. I'm sure people um, people who are following the Amazon space know that they're there have been uh, crackdowns on reviews and people getting suspended and kind of it's, it's been an unstable time, I think, for the industry as a whole. Um, and for me specifically, I had several products uh, whose listings got suspended uh, as well as had some issues with um, kind of manufacturing and product quality. Um, so getting the business to the point where it made sense uh, for someone to buy it uh, took a little while. But I think, honestly, I, I, I'd gotten bored, <laughs> bored of it uh, like a year before I actually sold it. I started the business at the same time as the Teespring thing, and uh, yeah, I kind of got bored within six months. Do you ever find it difficult? Like you're running multiple businesses at once. Do you ever find it difficult to manage your concentration or balance your time between one business and another business? I think so. I actually generally focus on one thing at a time. Mm-hmm. So the so let's take the the vitamin gummy bear business and the t-shirt business. I launched around the same time, but I actually focused for two weeks on, uh, the gummy bears and then, you know, picked a manufacturer, uh, designed the labels, um, and then got everything sent to them. And then they said, okay, it's going to take us two weeks to do the legal review of the labels to make sure, you know, there's, there's no wordings or anything that'll get us in trouble with the FDA. And then it'll take us four weeks to manufacture everything. Well, I'm not going to sit there for six weeks, you know, waiting for this thing to be manufactured. So I just went and started a different business. And then that business started taking off. So I just kind of left the vitamin gummy bears there. Uh, <laughs> and it, it was making like a thousand dollars a month for nine months without me doing anything to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I came back after the, after I, the, the t-shirt business kind of, uh, skyrocketed and then exploded. Um, I came back to this business and it was like, Hey, this has been making a thousand dollars a month 
pretty much passive for a while. Let's go ahead and grow this business instead. Um, so it's, it's not like I'm building two or three businesses uh, and splitting my attention at the same time. It's, it's more like I'm focused on one thing at a time and then, um, and then, but I, I do have things kind of running concurrently in the background. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I want to ask you, you built your Teespring t-shirt business up to where you sold right around $600,000 worth of t-shirts. And how long did that process take? When I started the business, I think it was profitable by week two. Mm-hmm. Um, by month two, I was probably making about $5,000 a month. And month four was when we hit 100K uh, in sales uh, for that month. But that also happened to be Christmas. So uh, I think I think there was some luck involved with, with, with the timing. But um, yeah, it grew really quickly. It, it, I think uh, it was the fastest growing business that I, I had until that point. Uh, and are you still running a Teespring business? No, uh, nope, no, I'm not. And how long did you run it for? Uh, about nine months. Okay. And so I'm sure, sure there's a lot of curious listeners on the things that you did to experience such rapid growth with that business. And I believe that you use solely Facebook ads to grow that business. So, if we could get behind the scenes of the t-shirt business so we can learn maybe a little bit more about Facebook ads and handling a business that's growing at, at such a pace. Yeah. And um, I'll also weave in kind of why I think the business eventually crashed. And I'm not sure how I could have avoided it, but I'll, I'll share uh, kind of the lessons I learned there as well. Great. Uh, I think what I did right was systematize everything that was working and then hand it off. Um, so essentially the business model with Teespring is you use a variety of different spy tools to figure out, um, what's selling for other people. Um, and then you branch off of that into concurrent markets or concurrent kind of ideas and designs. So what I mean by that is let's say that I use a, I use a tool and, uh, and I see that the painter market, you know, people who love painting is selling really well. Well, I'm, I'm not going to like copy this guy's market, but I'm going to say, okay, if painters are buying these, then who else might, might, uh, might be interested in t-shirts? Uh, maybe writers, maybe um, people, uh, maybe graphic designers, maybe, you know, et cetera. So, so the idea is I want to find something that's already working and then follow that train of thought to a, a destination that hasn't been explored yet. Um, and I do the same with designs. If there's, if there's kind of cool design ideas uh, that haven't really been done in certain markets yet, then then um, then that's something that I want to explore. So the idea behind Teespring is, it, or, or behind this T-shirt business, was we were in probably 300 different markets by by the end, and each market we would test maybe three or four different T-shirts. Um, so we uh, they they generally be T-shirts with funny quotes or inspirational quotes or kind of sassy quotes on them. Um, so we we identify a market. And then there's kind of two different styles of shirts that we did. One was uh, template-based, and one is um, we would just go on Google Images or Pinterest or uh, wherever we could to find quotes that we think would resonate with the market, and then we'd give that to a designer and have him turn it into a shirt. Um, Or we would have certain designs that kind of can apply to 100 different markets, Um, and and then we would just swap out the market for for each each time. Uh, So an example of that might be, Money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you rollerblades, which is kind of the same thing. Uh, and then you can switch out rollerblades for jet skis or parachutes or you know whatever, and you can hit a hundred different uh, markets with the same design. 
Um, so we would often use those templates to test for markets and we'd see which markets are most responsive. And then we would do tailored designs for the markets once we know that they're uh, a market that likes to buy t-shirts. But okay, I, I think I got a little bit too, too in the weeds there. So coming back to what I think I did right and how, how the business grew really quickly, I think breaking the business down into its, like the mathematics of it is really, really important. And I think this matter, this, this applies to just about any business. Uh, you want to figure out, so in, in, the, in the case of a t-shirt business, uh, about one in 10 of our designs would hit and, and those, those are successful and those would make, I, I think a successful t-shirt would make anywhere between one and $20,000, which is a wide range. Typically it's between two and $5,000, um, but only one in 10 would succeed. Uh, the nine out of 10 that fail uh, would cost us $25 in, um, or, yeah, about um, say $20 in ad spend and then another $15 in um, kind of design and upload and various other costs. So let's say it's $35 per design. Um, so I'm basically prepared to lose um, uh, a little bit under $350 to find a winner, and then the winner will make at least $2,000. That's kind of how the, the unit e- economics work out to. Um, once once I, I think the first few months was me just kind of feeling out what the business model looks like, and I was doing all this on my own. I was Photoshopping the designs, I was running the Facebook ads, I was building the Facebook pages, all that stuff. Um, but once I got a hang of the numbers and I was like, okay, I got it. If, if, if 10 t-shirts does this and 20 t-shirts does this, that means a hundred t-shirts will probably do this and 500 t-shirts will probably do this. Right. Um, that's kind of when I hired the team and scaled up the, the, the methodology. Once I understood, uh, the economics of how everything would work and how everything might work if, uh, at a larger scale. Um, and I think that approach of testing things yourself, uh, figuring out, the the mechanics of it the system and the economics and then taking that and multiplying it uh i think that's and systematizing systematizing everything right so we broke we broke down everything into a spreadsheet of like step one uh step one have the t-shirt idea step two find the quote step three um create a facebook page step four like these the this uh, there's uh there's there was probably i don't know like 15 different steps for any given design uh and we had a whole spreadsheet tracking at the peak of this business, we were launching close to 50 shirts a week. Um, so we'd have a spreadsheet tracking the progress of every design and every idea um, as it's making its way through the pipeline, and different people would own different uh, segments of that pipeline. So systematizing things, uh, figuring out the economics, scaling up the systems, I think uh, is kind of how I was able to build that up really quickly. I think I went in a lot of different directions there. Um, any questions? Yes. Well, I just want to continue on to the story because I think it's it's going great because I'm curious about the quote unquote downfall of the business and some more about Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. So I think the the downfall of the business and probably um, was that I hired, I don't think I hired the right um, psychographic of people. Um, so I hired people around me who were really smart. Uh, and like and and really fast learners and really inspired to to kind of help, um, but they were also travelers like myself and entrepreneurs who wanted to start their own thing. Um, so probably within uh, I'd say three or four months, everyone had kind of moved on to their own projects, um, which I, I it's a little bit hard to avoid that I think uh, given that I was living in Chiang Mai, 
Um, and there's not a whole lot of kind of employee minded people there. And, and the people who are probably aren't the type of person I'd want working for me anyway. Um, so I'm not, it was a little bit of a catch 22. I think if I, if I was living in America, it would have been very easy to find someone who's, um, great at design or Facebook ads or whatever, whatever it is, who just wants a job. Right. Um, but in Chiang Mai, I couldn't find that, that person. And then, uh, so I built a team of mostly digital nomads and then that kind of, um, dispersed after a few months. And then I had to rebuild the team, um, mostly from scratch. Um, and then, so my, thought at that point was to fly to the Philippines, hire a few Filipino VAs, train them on the system. And then, you know, instead of working with digital nomads, I would, I would uh, train a, a team in the Philippines. Um, and what I found was that they they were able to replicate a system very well, but there was very little, um, creative thinking and creative maneuver maneuverability, um, as well as kind of proactiveness. Um, so I found that I was still constantly having to stay on top of um, changes in Facebook ads or um, changes in different parts of the system. And what I think I really needed was someone who could like act- actually take over, um, not just replicate a system, but actually take over the mental space of tracking the industry and figuring out what's working and, uh, and kind of handle all of that. Um, so I think the long and short of it is uh, I needed to get a lot better. I, I wasn't good enough at, at finding... Uh, the right person to take over um, the parts of the job that I was doing um, and the parts of the job that are more dynamic. Um, and then by the time the second team kind of fell apart, I was exhausted. And like I mentioned, I had this other business that had been making $1,000 a month in passive income for the last nine months with zero effort. And I just decided, you know what? Screw it. <laughs> I'm just going to work on this other thing uh, <laughs> and not, not rebuild this team for the third time. <laughs> Okay, so I want to talk some more about Facebook ads and target marketing with Facebook ads and the strategy that you use. What are some things that you can give to the listeners that would help other entrepreneurs with their Facebook ad marketing that you've learned from this experience? So a few things come to mind. Number one, I would, and this is true for just about any business model, but I'd really study it before you know jumping in. Uh, so buy a couple Udemy courses um, listen to, I mean, there's a bunch of good podcasts. There's probably a couple hundred hours on Facebook ads that you can listen to, uh, like in-depth strategies for free. So I'd, I'd spend like 10 to 30 hours just getting acquainted with the mindset and the system and the strategy before, you know, jumping in. A lot of people just jump into Facebook ads and lose a bunch of money and say it doesn't work when they didn't have a strong grasp of, um, of the strategy. So that's the first thing. Uh, second thing is to, Approach it with the mindset that most of what you're, what you're going to do isn't going to work, um, and you know just be okay with that. That's that's just how most of uh, most of paid marketing works. Um, in the beginning, you're going to be spending a lot of money on acquiring data. So if you run a campaign, you know you're, you're not going to know if it's going to convert better on desktop or mobile. You're not going to know if it's men or women who are buying. You're not going to know what age range of people tend to buy. You're not going to know what the right offer is, what the right ad is, what the right landing page is. Um, it's very easy to spend a thousand dollars and make back three hundred bucks. And you might call that uh, you might call that a failure, but uh, the rea- like when you dig deeper into the data, you'll find that um, uh, all three hundred dollars came from women. And uh, of that, two hundred fifty dollars came from desktop, and you'll find that, like, as you as you dive into the data and like figure out what converts, your um, your ROI will double, triple, quadruple, etc. Um, 
so so tip number two is expect things to fail, expect to lose money in the beginning, and just kind of it, you kind of have to be okay with that, uh, and with the understanding that once you have the data, uh, you'll be able to to make it profitable and scale up from there. Um, I think a lot of the the, the nitty gritty tips um, th- those change so often. I don't think they're even like right. Uh, Back when I was doing Teespring, um, page post engagement ads were like the hot thing, and today they don't work at all. And now it's website conversion ads um, and uh, carousel ads are working really well. But by the time you know someone listens to this six months from now, it might be a different ad type. And like, so I don't want to get into like the the like tactics because those just change all the time. Um, instead, I'd say the the method of um, staying in touch with the tactics is a listen to a lot of podcasts. Uh, and B, form mastermind groups um, with people who have similar businesses to yours. So when I was doing Teespring, I was in a mastermind group. Uh, I think we were talking once or twice a week. I think it was twice a week. And, you know, all of us are spending good good amounts of money on Facebook. And we're just kind of comparing notes and, and talking about. And we'd split up things to test. Uh, so, like, person A might say, hey, I'm going to test dark posts this week. And person B might say, um, I've heard that uh, link posts are doing really well instead of page post engagement. Ads. Try that. Um, and then we'll just kind of compare notes and what's working for everyone will will uh, everyone will kind of benefit from and and we'll also stay out of each other's markets we're very open about what markets we're in and nobody steps on anyone's toes and kind of so you want to build your own learning networks I think um, there's there's definitely things that people won't talk about publicly uh, like like pod on uh, Teespring especially is a very cutthroat industry um, so there's there's a lot of once people find a, a good tactic they often don't share it um, so forming your own groups to learn is really useful. Um, let me see, what are some other good tips? And having a good product I think is really important. Like a lot of people, like having a good product and a good offer. A lot of times I see people trying Facebook ads and like the reason it doesn't work honestly is because I just don't think it's just not good. <laughs> yeah, so have a good product, have a good offer, get your targeting down, uh, you know, use some have have a good strategy, and I think it's not it's really not rocket science. It's not you don't need it to 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 have like I don't know super secret ninja tactics to make it work. So I know Derek that every entrepreneur has more ideas than they do time for businesses, and so I'm kind of curious. What do you think would be a really good business that you haven't seen that can use Facebook ads to be successful quickly? Hmm. Um, interesting. I don't, I don't necessarily have anything that comes to mind, uh, at the moment. I can, there's a lot of models that I see that work repeatedly. So the free plus shipping into some sort of subscription or into, into an upsell funnel works really well. Um, webinar sales into high ticket items work really well. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different kinds of funnels that are really repeatable, um, but I don't have any like specific product ideas that I'm like, this product needs to exist in the world and nobody's done it yet. I think, um, what, what's the book? Dot com secrets by Russell Brunson has a good outline of kind of, uh, all the funnels that convert really well. Um, so that could be a good resource. Um, that, and, uh, for like Facebook ad funnels that can, that tend to convert well. What are some businesses that you've seen that use Facebook ads to go to webinars and sell high ticket items? Yeah, I actually bought a $6,000 coaching program uh, for Teespring, specifically through a Facebook ad. Um, it, it went to a video sales letter and then into a like a one-on-one call and then like uh, and then a, 
a $6,000 program. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of coaching offers, uh, do that. A lot of, uh, software does that, um, like SaaS products. Let's see. Coaching SaaS. Um, I haven't seen many physical products do, do it. Yeah. I guess coaching and SaaS is, is, is the most common ones I've seen. Maybe, maybe high ticket information products as well. Very cool. Okay, so we're going to move into the last part of the podcast. And as Derek and I were talking before the show, he mentioned a move that he did in his life, which I find really interesting and actually really cool because it is something that most entrepreneurs don't do, but it's for very good reasons. And so Derek, for the past few years, has been more or less a location-independent entrepreneur traveling the world and living in different cities while building multiple successful businesses. Now, Derek has actually made the move to get a quote unquote job or a real job. And he did it for really great reasons. And so I think when most entrepreneurs like us would hear that, they would be a little bit dumbfounded because we see being an entrepreneur as almost the ultimate freedom, and especially a location independent entrepreneur. Uh, and, and that's one of our highest values. So I'd like to hear, Derek, your side of why you decided to get a quote unquote real job and let the audience know your strategy behind it. I felt like I didn't have the skills to build the kinds of businesses I wanted to build. Um, I want to build businesses that scale to the hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, and I th felt like the skills that I had could scale to the hundreds of thousands of dollars, maybe even like single digit millions. Um, but I think, you know, as someone who never went to business school and hasn't worked in a large company, I felt like I was missing um, the skills and mindsets necessary to take uh, a company from zero to a hundred million dollars. Um, so I wanted to work in a company like that for a couple years um, to, to understand how they think and, um, and how they operate. So I moved to New York and then started working, uh, at a company that's, uh, that I respect a lot. And, and it's been, it's been really good. I feel like if I had started another e-commerce business, I would have mostly been doing things that I sort of already knew how to do at a scale that I kind of, that I understood and I would be learning, but, uh, but I feel like the pace of learning right now is it, it really high for me. So yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that I took this step. And I think this probably will be the, the last job that I have, at least in the next like 10 years. Um, but I feel like this is the right move. And it, it depends on I think it a lot of it depends on what kind of entrepreneur you want to be. If you want to, you know, kind of travel the world and, and enjoy life and have the four hour work week lifestyle, I think like this isn't isn't the right move. But if you want to build large scale companies that have a big impact in the world, and you don't feel like you have the skills to do it. I feel like getting a job uh, in, in the kind of company you want to build, I think is a, is a good strategy for kind of acquiring those skills. This will be the last job you have until you decide you want to build a billion dollar company, right? That, possibly. <laughs> no, I think that's a great idea. And there's a lot of entrepreneurs or entrepreneurial teachers that actually recommend doing that. T. Harv Eckers won. And then we actually just posted a podcast with Dan Andrews today who got his start by doing a quote unquote kind of apprenticeship from a company and then moved his way up to learning everything he knew he could know about the company and then starting a business. So that's really cool. And I, I respect that, Derek, 
because I think when you tell most people that, I'm kind of curious what the reaction has been from your friends, and I'm sure your close friends kind of know you, but some of the other entrepreneurs out there, you know, I'm sure they're like, what happened? Did Derek go broke? Did he have to go back and get a job? Most people have been really supportive. I think um, I, when I moved to New York, I actually wrote this like long Facebook post and it sort of, it went semi-viral and like it, tons of people saw it about basically uh, my logic behind why I wanted to move to New York and why I wanted to get a job and uh, and all that stuff. So I feel like a lot of my friends through that post saw my thought process and kind of already understood before I, I talked to them about it. And that actually turned out to be a great networking tool as well. I got introduced to probably like 40 different people in New York within the first week of landing here uh, just from that post. And and yeah, so overall people have been really supportive and uh, and kind of thinking that it's, it's a good move for me uh, as well. That's cool. Hats off to you, man. I think it's a great idea. Any other wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners before we sign off? Keep learning. Uh, I think learning is, is such a big part of it, of, uh, of the journey to success. Um, my personal style is audible books and podcasts. Um, but yeah, I think uh, learn, network as much as you can, go to conferences, uh, meet people in different countries. I think between learning and networking, like every business that I've ever started that's been successful has been because of a person. Like I had a mentor for the Teespring thing. I had a mentor for the Amazon thing. Um, it's very hard to build a successful company in a vacuum. So um, so get out there and build your network and uh, build your knowledge base. Uh, those are the two things that come to mind. Great tips, man. Derek, if the listeners wanted to reach out to you, where's the best place they could do that at? Derek at pancow.com. And I want to give you a huge thank you for coming on the show and thanks for sharing your tips and tricks and ultimate wisdom with us. I really appreciate your time and I imagine the listeners really appreciate it too. You had a great story to share. So thank you, Derek. My pleasure, Chris. And listeners, we're going to sign off there. Thank you for joining us once again. We'll see you guys on the next episode and goodbye, everybody. The Entrepreneur House is a business accelerator for six and seven figure entrepreneurs. Imagine spending an extended period of time with other successful entrepreneurs working together and growing your business. Day to day, you interact with other driven and smart business people. Spending an extended period of time around them alters your business and your mentality around business. Goals are set, business grows, new partnerships develop, greater profit margins are achieved, the productivity skyrockets for attendees, and you get to have an incredible adventure while doing it. This year, our main event will be held in Chiang Mai, Thailand. It is four weeks from October 26th to November 24th and held for six and seven figure entrepreneurs only. It will be full of workshops, masterminds, advisors, co-working, and fun weekend social events. Be sure to check out the details at theentrepreneurhouse.com as soon as possible. This event will fill up fast. For those of you that are interested and have some questions, be sure to contact us through theentrepreneurhouse.com forward slash contact. We will respond as soon as possible. For now, saludos from somewhere in the world.